Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Hey, welcome. Good morning. It's so good to have you here in person, and uh, so many of you just enjoying this weather in the good. Loving it. It's beautiful. And uh, welcome if you're here in person or online. My name's John Adams, uh, lead pastor here at The Vine, along with our pastors and elders. I just want to welcome you and just thank God that you came here today and that we're a part of this family called The Vine Community Church. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And you know, uh, we've been in a series here over the last several weeks called The Uniqueness of Jesus and His Story. And we've been traveling through the the Gospel of Luke. And the last few weeks, we've seen how Jesus started up in northern Galilee in a city called Capernaum. He took his 12, and now he's traveling down south to Jerusalem. And his destination is what he's focused on, to go to Jerusalem to suffer, die, and rise again from the dead. And, And that's what his whole focus is on. And so today, as we continue our journey in in Luke's gospel, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 19. And this is where he comes to the city of Jericho. Now he's about 18 miles outside of Jerusalem, but he's dead set focused on getting there. And he just sort of passes through Jericho, but he doesn't pass the people that he loves. He's so personal and And so focused, not just on his destination, but on people like you and me. Isn't that good? You know, um, when, uh, as I've taken my, my family on trips, like let's go on a vacation. And, you know, you go through the year as a pastor and in any job you have, right? You, You just so look forward to that vacation date, right? And you can't wait. And you're so excited to get to your destination. So you get your whole family packed up. For My family was a family of four. And we get them all packed up and ready. And I'd leave about 3 a.m. in the morning. And I made sure and told everyone and that they knew it. Pack your snacks. We're not stopping for food. Go to the bathroom because there's no potty breaks. We're getting to our destination We're focused on getting there. Uh, Anyone like that, huh? (laughs) We got one or two. You know, and and so so, uh, getting to our destination is a lot of what we think about in life, whether it's getting on a vacation, maybe it's whatever it is in your life, you're trying to get there. And you're almost ignoring and passing by everything else and forgetting about people around you. Well, Jesus doesn't do that. Though he's focused on his destination to get to Jerusalem, he's always has his eyes open, bringing and looking for those, seeking to save those who are lost. And we're going to see that from this passage today. So if you have your Bibles, look with me at Luke chapter 19. And we're going to see this story about a man Maybe you've sung the song about Zacchaeus. Anyone sing that in Sunday school? We got about two or three. I must be really old or something. <laughs> and then we used to sing the song about him, and, and it was pretty memorable. And, um, 
And you remember that Zacchaeus, just a little bit of intel on him. He was a, uh, a tax collector and not just a tax collector, a chief tax collector. Now remember the Roman government, Romans had taken over Israel and now they were dominating. And, and the Jews hated it because they wanted their independence. It was their promised land. And, and so the Romans would tax the Jewish people and they would use tax collectors. Tax collectors wouldn't get paid, but they would do what was called tax farming. And so they would charge each person the Roman tax amount and then they would add a certain amount for themselves. Well, Zacchaeus was really good at this. <laughs> he could charge a lot of extra money and get it. And so people knew what was going on. They were smart. They knew what was going on. But he had the Roman government behind him and most people would pay it. And so this guy, Zacchaeus, was hated in the community as well as most tax collectors in those days. I don't know how you feel about the IRS. <laughs> but today we're going to see how Jesus comes and cares for, for people that are sometimes even hated. And they're right in our midst. And we're going to see in this story how Jesus seeks and saves the lost and calls us, those of us who are followers of Christ, to do the same. So look at Luke chapter 19, if you have your Bibles or your handhelds. Look, look there in Luke chapter 19, verse number one. And I remind you, as we do every Sunday, this is God's word. Luke chapter 19, verse one. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass the way, that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Again, this is God's holy, inerrant word. Praise be to him. And so today we see, first of all, Jesus, his beautiful invitation in verses one through seven. Look at verse one. It says that, that there it tells us that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. You, you remember back in Luke chapter nine, nine, verse 51, that he had set his face toward Jerusalem. 
which means he was determined and focused to get there to suffer and to die for the sins of all those who believe in him. And which is unbelievable. And so, and throughout his journey from Galilee, Capernaum, he would pause and he would bring people good news and he would actually even do miracles. And so crowds were gathering around him and this was true also at Jericho. The crowds were all around, but, he, 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 but he's, he, it says in verse one, he was just passing through. It kind of reminds me of, you know, when the Braves won the World Series and remember when all the crowds lined up for the parade, you know, and they were, the bus motorcade came by and they went like 55 miles past everyone, not even really much of a wave. And they're like, wow, that's just passing through. But you see, Jesus, Jesus, as he passes through, he pauses as he is led by the Holy Spirit, by himself, really, God himself. And so we see this, that Jesus and his 12 come to Jericho. And Jericho, they had just outside the gates, he had just healed blind bar, or the blind man, the blind beggar outside the gates of Jericho. And they come to this beautiful city of Jericho. Think kind of vacation spot. Uh, you know, Cancun, uh, you know, I don't know, Palm Springs. It was a dry, arid place there in Jericho. 18 miles outside of Jerusalem and 800 feet under sea level, below sea level. It's like one of the the lowest places on all the earth next to the Dead Sea. And so it's really warm, really arid, especially in the winter. Uh, kings called Herods, who ruled over the Jews, made their winter palace at Jericho. And so it's this great vacation spot for a lot of people. And here we have a rich man, Zacchaeus, who is there. He, uh, Jesus stops for this one man. He's rich, but he's hated because he's cheating people on their taxes. And because he was short, verse four tells us that he climbed a tree. Well, to climb a tree in that day was, for a traditional culture, was not only unusual, it was shameful. But he does this because he is so eager to see and to know Jesus. Luke 19, 5 says that, and when Jesus came to the place where he was, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Notice a couple things here about this verse is he calls this man, this hated guy by his name. How do he know it? Well, he's God. And, and why did Jesus do this? Well, names were very important. You think about Peter, he was the rock, and Jesus renamed him. But in John 10, 3, we know that Jesus and our God cares about your name and the name of every person. It says, he says, my sheep will hear my voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. Isn't that, isn't that comforting? Jesus calls you by name if you know him. He loves you for you. <laughs> this is unbelievable that God would care about us as people, as persons, as individuals. 
But it's also ironic to think about what the name Zacchaeus means. It means literally the pure one. (laughs) Now that's crazy because we know this guy Zacchaeus daily cheated people. And he was considered probably the most impure person in that culture of that day. But yet he calls him Zacchaeus, the pure one. Pure one, why? What Jesus is saying here is this, and he says it to every one of us who believe in him. You may be seen as impure because of your work, but when I do my work, my work of grace and saving work in your life, you will become the pure one. You are the righteous, not by works of your own, but by my work. I love what Titus chapter 2, verse 14 says about Jesus, that he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Notice this, he does the work. He's the one who purifies you. You guys can't get clean on your own. Because of your sins, you need Jesus to both forgive you and pour out his righteousness upon you. He does all the work. But look what happens when he does all the work in our lives. He does all the work and then we do his good work. It says that, that he, he does this for, any, for a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Zealous means what? Eager? Ready? Excited? Let me ask you something. Do you know Jesus? I think many of you know him who are here, both here in person and those who are online. But listen, are you zealous for his good works? Hmm. That's tough sometimes. It's hard for me. Because sometimes, honestly, I'm more zealous for my works that aren't necessarily Jesus' work. And I gotta be I gotta be teachable to him. And I want to know him more and know what great work he's done of purifying my heart and making me righteous and eagerly doing his good works. You see, Christ, who is the sovereign God, planned to pause, look up, and out of all the masses of people, he chose Zacchaeus. He called him by name, and he called him to good works. Isn't it beautiful what he does in our hearts for those of us who trust in him? Yeah, it is. Verse 5 goes on to say Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' home. Now, if you come out here today and I invite myself over for Sunday dinner, you might say, that's a little rude, John. (laughs) But this isn't rude at all for Jesus. He is the Messiah, God himself, coming to this man's home. What an honor for this man, Zacchaeus, above all the crowds and all the people. He selected Zacchaeus, who was once an enemy of the gospel of Christ, to be a friend. 
Psalm 23, 5. David writes this. He says that he himself, you prepare a table before me, Lord, before me in the presence of my enemies. Not just other people, but even before God, who I was once an enemy of. He does the work. It's called reconciliation. He brings us together to himself and to others. He is the one who chooses to have not just one meal, but a a forever meal with us as he pours out his Holy Spirit into the hearts of every one of us who believe in him. Thank you, Lord. And we can just stop saying thank you for his great gift. You know, um, it took a lot of humility for Zacchaeus to climb a tree, didn't it? Wouldn't you say? But how much more humility it took for Jesus to come down from his earthly heaven, heaven and residence and come to sinners like you and me and to purify us and to take upon himself all of our sins and then to pour out his Holy Spirit and to live forever in our hearts with us I mean, sometimes I don't want to even live with myself. But God lives with me and everyone who believes in him forever and ever in our hearts. Isn't that awesome? What our God does, what an act of humility, what an act of grace. We see, so we see Jesus' invitation in verses 1 through 7. And then we see Zacchaeus' response. Verses 6 through 9. And in verse 6, There it says that Zacchaeus hurried and came down from the tree. He received Jesus, says joyfully. And verse eight, it says that Zacchaeus was generous with all he had. Not only was he committing half of all of his wealth, and it was a lot, he was a really rich guy, half of his wealth to the poor, but he was willing to make fourfold restitution to those that he had cheated. Now, the the Bible in Old Testament only requires at a maximum two times restitution. (laughs) He's so generous. He is freely giving his stuff away. I mean, it's just such a antithesis, a contrast to, you know, Luke 18 and the, you know, maybe the story of the rich young ruler who's who's this religious guy who says, I've done all the laws. I've kept all your works, God. So I think I've done everything I need to do. And Jesus says, no, do one more thing. One more thing is required. Go sell all you have and give it to the poor. And it says in the man, the rich young ruler went away sad. Now, let me ask you something. Are Are you glad in giving your life away for Jesus? Are you glad in giving your stuff away, your finances, your time? Are you glad to even be inconvenienced at times? You see, when we really have the gospel grabbing hold of our hearts, when Jesus meets us and fills us, we become extraordinarily glad and generous, like Zacchaeus. That's the... He gives us the motive to joyfully and generously pour out 
what we have, all we have, Lord, for you, for your kingdom, for your glory. Easy to say, right? Hard to do. And so we see Zacchaeus' response. And then, but the, the naysayers, most of the religious dudes, if you will, in that day, verse seven, it says that they grumbled. Now think about it. Again, are you grumbling more in life or are you glad? Are you stingy in your life towards Jesus and sharing your life and your ministry and your gifts and your money and your time and your talents and everything? Or are you generous? Jesus makes us glad. He makes us generous. He causes our hearts to to go from grumblers to, to people who are filled with the gladness of God. Because he not only forgives us, as we've seen, he's the one who changes our hearts. But you've got to allow him to do that. You, he doesn't force you to change. See, people who trust their own works don't get this story of Zacchaeus. How could this guy go from hated, enemy, rich, all about himself, all about his wealth, to incredibly generous with all he has? And the answer is Jesus and his work alone. And then he goes on. (laughs) Jesus, all this happens because Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, we see verse 7, was hated, considered a traitor to to the Jews, yet Jesus eats with him and calls him, verse 9, see this, a son of Abraham. Now, most commentators think that he was Jewish. We're not positive. Some say he was a Gentile. But regardless, Jesus calls him a son of Abraham. Who is Abraham? Back in Genesis 12 and 17, he was the one who was promised, I'm going to make you a father where you're going to be a father and your generations, your Jewish, the Jewish people are going to be more than the stars in the sky and the, the sand in the, near the sea. I'm going to make you great and numerous. And, and the Jews knew what that meant, being called a son of Abraham was calling him, saying he was the ultimate insider. You see what Jesus is doing? He's taking someone who in the community was the, ultimate outsider, the enemy, and he makes him the ultimate insider. He calls him a child, in essence, of God, of Abraham, a part of the family of God. Isn't that beautiful, what God does? What Jesus does. His love is so great, so unique. His His care for people, lost people, is the unique story in the world that we all need to know and all need to be in relationship with him. You see, Jesus is not concerned here in this story about what people think about him or what he thought they think, who they thought was worthy of being saved. He remained clear on his focus on mission. We, again, we find one of the clearest statements in the Gospel of Luke, but actually in the whole of the Bible in verse 10. 
It's Jesus' invitation to be on mission. And here it is, Luke 19.10. This was Jesus' mission. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, your neighbor is lost. Your coworker is lost. Maybe some of your family member, you're, they're lost. But guess what? For many of us, we were all lost. <laughs> we were lost. And yet, Jesus, by his grace, found us and said, you're a son of Abraham. You're my child. I adopt you as my son or daughter because of your faith in my great work. Isn't that, that should change us as we reflect on that and the greatness of God's work. We were lost and Jesus came to seek and save both them and us. Where do you need to be changed to be on mission with Jesus? You know, at the, the vine here, we talk about being on mission is worshiping and serving others with our gifts wherever, whenever, and with whomever to advance God's kingdom. So how are you seeking the lost? Or are there currently too many too many other things you're currently seeking and the lost have kind of gotten in a back seat in your life. You see, Jesus had great plans in Jerusalem, a big procession. We're going to see it next week, the triumphal entry. And yet, he inconveniences himself and he was God to care for this and save this one lost man. Seeking the lost means a willingness to invite the Holy Spirit to lead you to begin to notice lost people around you. Are you doing that? Am I doing that? Wherever you are, with whomever you're with, wherever you go. Hmm. And, and we know that, that according to Luke 10, 29, that when it talks about in the parable of the Good Samaritan, that our neighbor that Jesus was talking about in that parable is whomever God puts in our pathway. That's who your neighbor is. Any lost people in your pathway you meet during the day and during this next week and the next month and the rest of your life, those are the people God says. He wants to use you as a conduit, a tool, as a gift to show them that, that same Love and care that Jesus poured out to you, his amazing grace. So seeking the lost means a willingness for you to pause and to minister to them. And maybe you'll be led by the Holy Spirit to smile at people who are lost, right? Just sometimes a smile is powerful, right? Just pausing for a moment. Or maybe he's called you to care for them with an act of kindness. A way to show them your generous act that was spontaneous. And that's beautiful when you receive that, right? Or maybe he's inviting you to enter into a conversation with them about Jesus and his work. 
you know, we have a team of people, Jeff Hancock, myself, Wayne Benick. We're working together to put together an alpha starting with alpha, which is on, starting on Wednesday nights here at the Vine, 630 to 830. We're going we're to do uh, three things. We're going to have dinner together. We're going to show videos, these incredible videos uh, that answer the questions like, is there more to life than this? Or why did Jesus die? And we're going to have a table discussion around these topics here. And we want to encourage you, to, your ticket to come to Alpha is bring a lost person. So, and if you're somehow not able to come or bring a friend, please pray for it. Will you, will you pause? If you're a member here of this church, will you pause and pray before you leave the services today for Alpha? We really need God to work. But we know this is just one tool, one way God is using in the many conversations we're having about Jesus. And we know many of you are sharing Jesus wherever you are, with whomever you're with, whenever you, whenever, and what time God is using you. And so we want to just say, yeah, lean into that too. But thanks for standing with us in prayer for that. You see, we, we were lost in Jesus sought after us, and thanks be to God, he saved us. He purified us. And he is the one who makes us zealous, eager for good works. Are we growing in gratitude when we think about what he's done for us? You know, not are we, are we done with becoming generous or grateful people. No, we're, we're in a process in our life. It's called growing in Jesus and more and more and more becoming more thankful, more generous. And this is what the Bible calls, fancy term, sanctification. It's the process of growing more into Christ's likeness and living like him. And that means we've got to be different we are asking God to change our hearts. We need him desperately. We need him to do this work. Especially as we look around people and there's so much hatred in our, in our communities, in our nation, in our world. Are we being changed to even like Jesus, to love people that were hated in the community, to show them and care for them with the love, his generous love. You see, it's ultimately not about us. Sorry to tell you that. It's about him and his mission and his glory. That's what Jesus was about Remember that. You remember how humble Zacchaeus this guy was to climb up a tree, right? But again, think about Jesus. He climbed up the cruel tree of the cross. He took the wrath of God, the punishment of our sins upon himself. Jesus himself suffered and died and hallelujah rose again from the dead that we would be his and we would be changed. 
May Christ make us different for his glory and to be on his mission. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And we are to do the same. Amen. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for your life. Yeah, you can blaze past the crowds because you're not impressed by crowds and adulation and approval of men. But Lord, you will stop and pause for the person who is ready to receive and welcome you. Thank you for your sovereign love and your grace. Thank you that you are the salvation we need. Lord, for those who are not Christ followers, I pray they would today receive and welcome Jesus. And I pray for those who are Christians, whatever stage of their journey, that they would see their need to once again welcome your grace to change them. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at The Vine CC. Have a great week.